Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Ready to get in God's Word today. Me too. I'm excited. I'm really excited to preach today because I don't have to preach by myself. I got some backup today, and I'm not talking about the Holy Ghost. He's always my backup, but I've got the wonderful, the beautiful, the amazing, the anointed, the funny, the wise, Pastor Liz Vasquez in the house today. What's up, boyfriend? What's up, girlfriend? How you doing? Good. Good. You ready to, to, to preach this for the third time? Come on, do we work through our issues in the first two services? I think so. Oh, you think so? Me too. I'm so, I love preaching with you. Me too. It's a lot of fun. I love doing everything with you. Hey. <laughs> hey. PG, keep it PG. That was, that was yesterday's conference. This <laughs> is different. Um, I think we got, how long have we been married now? years? No, it's going to be 15. Oh, my God. Well, that was my a rhetorical bad. question. I, was, yeah, I thought you knew that. <laughs> my bad. It's going to be 15. And I think they have some pictures of us back when we was dating, like dating. You know, yes. Put the, dating JJ and Liz. That is dating JJ and Liz. Wow. I could not grow a beard. That's I, why he has his beard right now. Because he's been waiting all his life 36 to grow years. a beard. <laughs> so now he won't take it off. Guys, it does come in eventually. That's coming. You see that kid? <laughs> Thirty-six years he came in. Look at you. That is the fakest smile in the world. Her teeth are not even closed. It's like, am I gonna stay with him? I don't know. We'll find out. That was anything. our second date. Yes. What did you think about me by now? We were dating. So I thought. Well, I knew that you loved the Lord. It was evident. Um, He's got a cross on, if you see in that picture, <laughs> which does That's not mean know. that they love God. So don't go by that. But um, if you look at that shirt, though, yeah, no, no I, I just know. didn't know how to dress. That's what yeah, I remember. I did not know how to dress yes. at all. Thank you for saving me from that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Which, ladies, so you know, in case you're looking for red flags in a relationship and you're single, fashion is not a red flag. No, you can work with it. You can work with as that. As long as they love Jesus first. Come on. You can change their clothes. You can't change their character. That's so, so good. You're preaching already. Don't, 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 be, uh, don't be discouraged. I think we have one when we were engaged, too. Yeah. We got an engaged photo. That's good. That's us when you're engaged. Children. We were yes, children. That's right. It looks like we were like... How are you even legally allowed to get married at that age? <laughs> I don't know. I don't like my face in that photo. I look so sus. I look like a Bond villain. Like, You're about to get married in a month, so. She does look great. Thank you, her father. I appreciate it. All right. We're going to get in the message. You ready? Yes, yes. So All right, ready. we're going to get into today's topic. Today's topic is something you don't hear a lot about in church, and honestly, I think that that is a disservice. I think one of the reasons why we don't talk about it is because we're not supposed to even say this word in church. But it's a reality. It's something that many of us go through or think about. It's, a, it's, a, it's something that scares us, that we don't like talking about it, but 
we have to, and we got to hear what God says about it. And so today we're going to fight through all of the awkwardness. We're going to fight through the shame. We're going to fight through the pain and have a conversation with you and each other on the topic of divorce. And we want to speak a message titled Before and After Divorce. Before and After Divorce. And we're going to be speaking, because right now when you hear a message like this, you automatically start to categorize yourself and you wonder, is this message for me? Like I'm single, like I don't even know, or I'm already divorced, or this message is for you. Yes, no matter where you are. Because we're going to be speaking to three different types of seasons that people are walking through, that we believe they're walking through here today. And so we want to speak to single people, engaged people, and married people. And we want to talk about preventing divorce. Maybe everything's going well in your relationship. Maybe you're not in a relationship. That's going to be the first thing that we speak about. We're going to talk about how to prevent divorce as much as you can on your end. Then we're going to be speaking. We're going to go a little bit past that. We're going to speak to the couples. Maybe you're separated right now, not even living together. Maybe you've already secretly filed and you don't, you don't even, the other person didn't even know. And you are, you are what we would call on the verge of divorce. Maybe you're on the verge of divorce. We're going to give you guys some tips and some things that hopefully can pull you back from there and that lead to reconciliation. And then we're going to go a little even past that and speak to a reality that there are people in this room who are now on the other side of divorce. So what does life look like when you're there? Does God still have a plan for me? How do I make the most of it? And if I am thinking of getting divorced, what's life going to look like once I get there? So we're going to begin at preventing divorce. And uh, on my first point of preventing divorce, I just want to be clear. I'm speaking to single people right now. I'm going to speak to married, engaged, preventing divorce, but right now I'm speaking to single people. And once you hear my first point, you'll know why I'm just speaking to single people. Here's my first point. Preventing divorce, point number one, marry the right person. Now, I have to say I'm speaking to single people because there's somebody who's married right now who's like, that's it right there. <laughs> Man, boy, I'm out. This is it because it's not the right person. That's what happened. So... That's my reason. I just, I'm out. And uh, we always say it. We always say it. Like, if you think you married the wrong person, the moment you married them, what do we say? They immediately become the right they person. They just became the right person the moment you married them. That's in the Bible. That's what God says. And so when two are one, we, not to, we go back to two, that they're one. And so, but, but this is, so this right here is for my single people. Because I can't tell you how many times I've counseled with couples who have gotten divorced and the person who has been trying to put in all the work, the person who's been trying to do, looks and goes, you know what? There were so many red flags when we were dating and I looked past every single one of them. So the Bible says in Proverbs 31.10, a wife of noble character who can find, she is worth far more than rubies. Now two things here, it's saying she is, but it could also say he is. This is about a spouse. And the metaphor that he's choosing is rubies, which is really interesting because he could have chose anything to talk about what a good spouse is, but rubies, rubies is unique. You don't have to be a gemologist to know that rubies are not found just lying around on the street. They're usually what? They're usually deep in caves. You usually have to mine for them. They're not supposed to be found quickly because you have to dig for them. This is my point, right? That if you're going to find a good spouse, you're going to have to dig a little bit. You're going to have to get into the dirt a little bit. It's going to get a little messy. You might hit a couple rocks before you hit a ruby. Hello, somebody. Come on. And you might have to just work through those rocks. Believe in it. There's a ruby somewhere in the rough. And so it's not going to be easy. And it should not be done quickly. Because you might have gone home with something you think was a ruby. But everybody knows, not everything that glitters is gold. And you might, you might find someone that you think is just it. They check all the boxes. Just give it a little time. You know how you test to see if it's a ruby 
or something else, there's this other gem that looks just like a ruby. It's a fake ruby. It's called spinel. You know how you can tell the difference between a spinel and a ruby? They both look red. They both look shiny. They both look pretty. The way you can tell is you begin to apply pressure. Ruby will last, the spinel will crack. You gotta wait until you get into those pressure moments so that you can see if that person is a real Ruby or if they are they fake. And that's what time will tell. And so I'm just encouraging you right now because the two most important decisions you will ever make in your life, somebody say amen when you see it, the two most important decisions put on the screen is following Jesus and who you marry. I can't think of two more important decisions than that. And the truth is, this is a hard pill to swallow, but the truth is you can be the best spouse in the world. Like memorize the whole New Testament. Okay, do all the Proverbs 31 things. You can be the best spouse in the world, but marriage still takes two people. It still requires a partnership. And if half the body is working and and half the body isn't, that's not a partnership, that's paralysis. And a lot of relationships get stuck like that because one person's putting in all the work and the other person's not putting in the work. I would say a big reason for the success of our marriage is because of who you are. Like you are you, and you would probably say the opposite to me. You would probably say because you you lead well and thank you for leading well. But honestly, the only reason I can lead well is because you allow me to lead, which being a Puerto Rican woman, that's a big deal that you allow me to lead because you could not be that way. Wow. You could be very in no way. And so. No, I did in the beginning. You sure did. You sure did. Which is my other point. Yeah. Right? That I'm not saying, I don't want you to get so afraid of this point. I think there should be a healthy fear, but you don't need to now, you know, have a 98-point list and be like, well, I'm going to wait for the perfect person then because I really don't want to marry the wrong person. Perfection can't be your metric because that person doesn't exist. The only man you're going to get in a relationship with that's perfect is Jesus Christo, okay? That's it. Right there, Jesus, my guy. That's it. He's the only one. Outside of him, everybody's going to have some issues, right? I have some issues. The question is not do they have issues or do they have baggage, but do you know what baggage they have when you dated them and when you married them? So when I married Liz, she knew some things about me off the jump. She knew that I was messy. She knew that because I did not know what an iron was, and my clothes were wrinkled, and my car was messy. And so when we got married, you know, something surprised you, but one thing that didn't was the mess. Thank God I'm not like that anymore, am I? No, you've helped me. You've discipled me. I appreciate that. I helped you. Yeah, because you were a little rough around the edges. (laughs) You raised your voice a lot. You talked back a lot. You didn't cuss me out because you didn't cuss a lot. A lot. Um, (laughs) But... But you did, you, you did call me names, right? You could call me names, and it was, it was not easy. Just hope for all y'all husbands out there. She, she, and you grew in that area, but I had to marry her with the, with the understanding that she might never change in those areas, and I would be okay with that. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, you don't marry potential. So you don't get to marry someone without baggage. You only get to choose what baggage you marry. Yes, it's important to notate that. There, there is actually this show that was a perfect example of it. Pastor JJ's never watched it before. I always it. talk no, about I, this show. because I was a good person, and so I was going to church. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's this show. It's actually another reason why it's because it's... Tell them who the host was. The host is Jerry Springer, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you can actually watch it online Jerry, if you want. Jerry, Oh, my gosh. Remember Steve? I don't. The security guy with the bald head. He's like, come on, Steve. You know, I was telling him too in the second service that sometimes when I, sorry, mom and dad, I skipped school. I used to watch Jerry Springer. (laughs) Springer. 
Uh, I wasn't really paying attention. Now to I see where you got your conflict resolution from. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah. But anyway, so there's this show yes. called Baggage. Um, and Jerry Spring is the host. And the reason why I bring this up when I'm talking to people about dating is right. because it's so real. Because it, the question is not whether or not they have baggage. The question is what is their baggage yeah. and can you deal with that baggage? Yeah. So the whole idea of the show is, for example, a guy would come out and Jerry would bring a potential suitor. So it would be a girl and she would come with luggage and she would open that luggage and she would show this guy what her baggage is. So whether it be I'm bad with finances and I just lost all this money in Vegas recently mm. or I have daddy issues mm. or I'm just very impatient whatever the issue is she would display it to him and mm. then based on her baggage he would wow. decide whether or not he could deal with that baggage to go on a date with her right. and that's really how it is you yeah. got to understand that yeah. you, they, they have baggage you just have to find out what right. that baggage is maybe not on the first date but after a couple of dates ask them straight up what is it that you're bringing into the relationship that might yeah. cause problems and you have to decide whether or not you could deal with that it's because good. whenever you get married those all that situation just gets magnified yeah which also leads me to the idea that you got to also decide if you could deal with their personality right. Right. because when you're dating there's some things that you like about that person when you're dating but once you get married mm -hmm. it turns into something that you hate yeah. so for example you're dating this guy and you're like oh I just love how laid back he, he is he calms me down yeah I, I, he I love how he I get calms so me stressed down. out and he calms me calms down, down so right? Well. And then you get married and you're care like care about something. <laughs> Why don't you care? Right, it's been like 6 months and you haven't gotten a job. <laughs> like, well, you're too laid back, right? <laughs> Or you meet this girl and you're like, man, I love just how put together she is. Why does it take you six hours to get ready to go to church? Right. Get up at 3 a.m. to put on makeup. Right. And why is our closet falling apart? Because you got so many clothes. Why did you break our closet? No, we you, laugh about that too because that actually happened to she us. She broke our closet. <laughs> So many clothes. We were like broke. in the shower or something. And we heard a loud noise. <laughs> I thought it was like the kids, and we couldn't figure it out. And then I opened the closet door, and all the clothes are on the floor. It. Yeah, it was bad. I want a closet room now, but he's not about it. Yeah. So, anyways, so you. <laughs> no. So you got to figure out the baggage, you got to figure out the personality, you yeah. got to pay attention to those little things, right? Mm. And the reason why I say little things is because when you get married, all those little things are even more important to right. pay attention to. So it leads me to my next point in preventing divorce, pay attention to the little things. Which I just want to pause right here, we're now talking to married people for this one too, because this is like kind of counter, like the biggest marriage advice out there, which is, hey, if your spouse does something and it's little, just ignore it, just let it go, don't make a big deal out of it and you're actually saying the opposite which blows my mind but it's such a good point yes and so I want to read to you a Bible verse in Songs of Solomon 2.15 it says catch all the foxes those little foxes before they ruin the vineyard of love so you got to pay attention to the little things now I want to display this with um, an illustration and so this is a brick don't worry I'm not going to chuck it at Pastor JJ I'm not that crazy but this is a brick and so this is just going to exemplify a little thing that can cause issues in our marriage and so everybody's spouse does something that can be considered little that annoys the other spouse yes, that can cause yes, so, yeah okay <laughs> that can cause separation between the two and so this is you know what it usually looks like yeah, so it starts off, and then maybe the wife is not paying attention to the husband because uh, she's too busy with the kids, 
And then maybe the husband is not paying attention to the wife because he took on some overtime at work and he's constantly doing that and not paying attention to her. And he don't mind that they got into a discussion about it, but the way she came at that discussion was very disrespectful. She used that word, that name, you know, that name that he hates when she used it, but she used it, but he hasn't said anything about it for five years, but that name still gets to him right there. And then we could pause right here and see the mistake comes in when we think, well, this is just a little thing, right? And we think that the, you know, people tell us, too, the mature thing to do. do. Yeah, it should just let it go. Like, it's a little thing. It's not a big deal. Just let it go. Overlook it. It's fine. But then look what happens when you keep just allowing these little things to build up. And so what will happen is... They have to make a family decision and then the wife gets upset because the husband doesn't include the wife in these family decisions and he's constantly making decisions for them on his own. And now because she gets mad at him, she's trying to take it out of him. They haven't been intimate in two weeks. And he hasn't taken out the trash in two weeks. (laughs) That's a lot of trash. It's a lot of trash. And then little thing after little thing after little thing after little thing. And next thing you know, you have a wall. Mm-hmm. And if you can imagine just this wall separating Pastor JJ and I, that's what happens. It right. separates us. All these little things just right. add up, these things that we don't address, offense after offense, right. uh, misuse after misuse, just just unmet need after unmet need and a wall is built up and then you feel separated you feel like you can't even see each other and so then you're on the verge of divorce because you feel like we already feel separated might as well get a divorce and then the thing is that if it's years after years it becomes a really big wall and then it takes so much work to take it down so that you look at this wall and you're like I don't want to deal with that and that's what being on the verge of divorce feels like and that's what we want to pivot to right now when you're on the verge of divorce it feels like there's this wall between you two and you're not communicating and there's no breakthrough and there's no progress and the only real way where this illustration failed us is that we put this wall together in like 30 seconds but some of y'all walls they're not they're not three feet high they're three years high they're four years high they're five years high because it was a little thing over time and then when they ask you why you're mad or when they ask you why you can't get along and you either don't know why because the wall seems so overwhelming or there's so many bricks you don't know where to start and you're just like because it was little things over time and so what happens if you're on the verge of divorce and you've got this wall going well first you got to work on your heart before we get to the practical you got to work on your heart and here's your heart listen if you're on the verge of divorce be willing to work on the wall be willing to work on the wall. Now, notice I said be willing to work on the wall. I didn't say want to work on the wall. Because don't nobody want to work on the wall. Because don't nobody want to work. But you got to remember that when you went to that altar, you did not make a contract. If you do your part, I'll do my part. You made a vow. And that vow ended as long as we both shall live. Not as long as it's not hard. Not as long as we both want. Not as long as one of us stops annoying the other person. No, no, as long as we both shall live. You can't go into marriage thinking that there is an out. Because if you think that there's an out, then when things get difficult, you will take that out. We bought a Keurig recently, a second Keurig. How many people know what that is? This little tiny coffee machine. We bought a Keurig coffee machine um, against the wishes of Pastor Liz. She did not want us to buy this one because we already had one. But it was six years old. We bought it when the church started. I never drank coffee until I became a church planter. 
<laughs> Year one, I was like, I need a legal drug. Yeah. I need, right. I need to do drugs, but it needs to be legal. I, can't I didn't go to want to get this. up so early to so make it. so much work. She so wouldn't like... get up early to make it. So coffee became the thing that I drank in the morning and helped me get started. And it was great. And I love I still drink coffee. And no judgment on coffee drinkers. So I had this morning, and I think Jesus was happy about it. And so I love coffee. And so uh, we did that for six years. But then all of a sudden, the coffee started tasting weird. And I was like, babe, the coffee machine is not it's not working. It's, uh, it tastes, you know, it tastes metal. We need, a, we need a new one. And then if you know anything about Liz, she's all about saving money. Tristy was like, no, we don't need to replace it. We just need to fix it. Yeah. Clean it with some vinegar. I'll put vinegar in my De-scale coffee. Descale it. Descale it. It's not a fish, <laughs> babe. It's a coffee machine. And so she said, you got to descale the machine. We got to save the machine. Because that's my wife. She's, she grew up in a house where it's all about saving money. I, I grew up in a house where it's all about saving time. So I'm like, I don't care how much it costs. It's going to save me time. She's like, no, let's clean it. It's going to take three hours to clean it, but we're going to save 53 cents. And it's important <laughs> that we save those 53 cents. You never know when we're going to need that. Put that in the 401k. I'm just like, oh, I want a new coffee machine. So, and that's me. That's me. I'm that way with everything. If something breaks in the house, I'm like, buy a new one. Buy a new one, buy a new one. She's like, fix it, fix it, fix it. Because when things are broken, listen, I have a replace mentality. She has a repair mentality. Now I'm going to ask you this question. What kind of mentality do you think God has? Repair or replace? When people are broken, when relationships are broken. You know what blows my mind, KJ, is God did not have to send Jesus. He could have just replaced us. Yeah. You ever read Genesis? He did it before. It was called the flood. He was like, y'all jacked up. Reset. <laughs> we need a new coffee maker up in here. <laughs> These people are wild. We're going to get started over again. And, you're gonna, and if you try and replace that person that you're with, you're going to learn the same thing that God learned. Because God, God went through existence, even though it's a whole thing. But Listen, 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 lean in. Did it work? Did it work? Humanity remained broken. And in the New Testament, God took a different approach. He went from replacing. He sent his son Jesus to pay a higher price. To not replace the relationship, but to repair it. Because that's what you do with people you love. You don't replace them, you repair. Yes, that's so good. You repair. Don't throw it out because it's not working. Fix what's not working. The question is, because that's love, even when it's hard. The question is not, church, do you want to work on the wall? It's, will you work on the wall? And if you say, yes, I'm willing to work on the wall, I'm willing to put in the work, I'm willing to put in the effort, where do I start? Here's where you start. The first thing you do to take down this wall is? Yes, and if you're on the verge of divorce, the first thing you do is work on yourself first. So good. Work on yourself first, yeah. So good. Matthew 7, 1 through 5 says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you Mm. treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, Let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. 
First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Dang, Jesus is preaching so hard. Yes. Some people get mad, I preach hard. Jesus called you a hypocrite, straight up. Hypocrite. He's like, I died for you, but you're a hypocrite. Right. And the thing is, when I was reading this Bible verse, I realized something. Jesus is not saying that your spouse doesn't have a problem, right? right? right, right your spouse has a problem, but right. Jesus is saying, you're starting in the wrong place, though. You're pointing your finger at your spouse and saying, you need to fix this. But God is saying, no, that's not where you need to start. You need to start with yourself wow. first. So good, man. So good. And I want to share with you a quick story. There is this wife who, um, she went to a marriage conference, kind of like our marriage conference we had yesterday. Um, and at the end of one of the sessions, she went up to the pastor and she told the pastor, Pastor, what do I do if I feel like my husband is the problem, right? <laughs> and, and he told her, well, okay, so you don't think that you're at all the problem? She said, well, maybe a little bit. He said, all right, if you had to put a percentage on it, what would you say the percentage of him being the problem. She said, well, he's like 95% of the problem. <laughs> and so then he said, okay, so then that means that you would agree that you're 5% of the problem. And yeah. she said, yes, I'll take that. He says, okay, well, then that's great news because that means that you can make your marriage 5% better. Wow. So why don't you start there? See, the thing Come is on. because we can't control what our spouses does or does not do, but right. we can control what we do and how we react to the situations right. that they're going through. So, so I wrote good. it this way. God doesn't hold you accountable for your sins, but he does. Sorry. Yes, he does hold you accountable for your <laughs> sins. Let me make that clear. Yeah. God doesn't hold you accountable for your spouse's sins, yeah. but he does hold you accountable for Ooh. your sins and wow. how you react to theirs. Wow, so good. He, that's that's so what he good. holds you accountable for. So then if you're here and you're like, okay, so then where do I start? Like, how do I figure out? Like how I'm the problem. Well, we have a pray first mentality here at Journey Church. And so yeah. why don't you start there? Pray and ask God. Like, like, what is it that I'm doing to cause the issues? And so this actually reminds me that like about three weeks ago, yeah. Pastor JJ and I got into a heated argument, y'all. It got heated. Like that Puerto Rican he's talking about came out. I walked out of the she car. walked out the car, slammed yeah. the door. Justice was in the kitchen. He was like, is mom okay? Yeah, he's like, you just slammed her. I'm like, I didn't slam the door. Okay, he's like, mm, Justice just said you slammed the door. Like, <laughs> I was upset, y'all. I hadn't done but that in a while. Ago, by the way, okay? Yeah, just it so was you not know, good. some pastors be coming with their testimonies from three years ago. We keep it fresh. Okay, okay. yeah. Three weeks ago. <laughs> three weeks ago. Oh my God, I can't. So then we actually, like, it took so long to resolve that, yeah. that we were there for like two hours. Yeah. And like, and, and you know what? The problem was his problem, to be real. It like, was. It I was, was his 95% fault. of yeah, the problem. Yeah, it was his fault. And he, he, he admits he was not, he, it was his fault. But, yeah. but. I was, it was. I think, yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, it's my fault, That's okay? To be true. real. Okay, you don't have to add to it, but yeah, it's true. Yes. <laughs> but anyways, getting to what I'm trying to say is that I just really didn't handle it right, though. I shouldn't have walked out of the car, especially in front of the kids. Like, man, this is a bad example when I think about it. And just the way I reacted just wasn't with love. It just was not good. And we ended up resolving the situation. But then the next day, I went to, to prayer, to Saturday morning prayer, y'all. You have to come to Saturday morning prayer. Like, 
You're already going to be praying anyways. Might as well come. Or you yeah. should be praying anyways. Might as well come. Yeah. And God will speak to you because God really spoke to me. Okay, so I'm there in Saturday morning prayer. And I just felt like God just shook me. And he's like, listen, Liz, like, I know that he was to blame. But the way you reacted just wasn't right. And you need to go back and apologize to him. And I really felt like the Lord told me to do that. So then I went home and I, right away, right when we got home and when it was just him and I, and I told him, I was like, babe, I'm so sorry for the way I reacted. I know it was yeah. your fault, but I shouldn't have talked to you that way. I yeah. shouldn't have been judging you that way. Like, <laughs> I did, I told well, him that. I received it, it was my fault. And then I told her, I told her my response to her was, thank you so much for having a prayer life. Because when you're the one who did the wrong, you don't have the moral high ground to point to the next person. So there was something that she did in that argument that really hurt me. But because I was the one to blame, I didn't have a foot place to be like, well, you need to work on this. That's going to make it worse. And you got to understand that. This is, somebody needs to hear this today. There are some things that only the Holy Spirit can tell him. Some things that only the Holy Spirit can tell her. And you got to pray that they start praying so that the Holy Spirit can tell her. Because I couldn't have told her that. Only God could have told her that. And I'm so glad that she had a prayer life, which is just lesson to all the husbands in the church. Get your wives to morning prayer right now. Say right now. (laughs) Morning prayer on Saturday is going to be packed. They're going to be driving home talking about what did the Lord tell you? (laughs) Did he speak to you today? (laughs) Good, good. Mm -hmm. Is that all? So start there, start with asking God first, and then proceed by asking your spouse. Like, ask your spouse, what bricks of these are mine? Yeah, and then they'll be able to one. tell you. Oh, so just two? Yeah, I'm 95% of the problem. Oh, okay. No, but to be real, it's half me too, so I'll take half. But, so maybe your spouse can tell you, well, sometimes it's your insecurities that cause issues in our marriage, or it's your tone of voice when you talk yeah. to me, or sometimes it's the impatience that you show. Yeah. And so then you could start working on the wall and, and, and you see that it already starts going down. Why? Because you're working on, even if it's 5%, 10%, whatever, you start working on that. But then a lot of people ask me, okay, so Pastor Liz, what do I do though if I'm working on it? How do I encourage my spouse to start taking down some of these bricks? Because some of them are theirs. Yeah, because some of those bricks are your spouse's and you can't take them down for them. So how do you then encourage them without pushing them to do their part? Well, I would say you become intentional to love your spouse. Mm -hmm. And that leads me to my next point. If you're on the verge of divorce, love your spouse. Which everybody listening to this is like, oh, great wisdom. Love your spouse. But but there's a passive love. Right. And then there's an intentional, active kind of love, which is the kind of love you're talking about. Yeah, and the love I'm talking about is, I don't know if you guys have heard a book called Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. It's pretty old, but it's so good. I mean, you can even, there's books on five love languages with your kids. You figure out what your kids' love language is. And it basically talks about how we all receive love in different ways yeah. and so it, the five love languages real quick are acts of service physical touch quality time words of affirmation and gifts and so I remember when we first got married I made it really hard for him by the way because his love language is so easy to yeah. to speak I guess you would say and for me it was it was harder for him to show me love because his love language takes like five minutes like so his is physical touch and words of affirmation so I just had to tell him how awesome he he is, give him a hug, a pat on the butt, and I he's good it. to I'm go. I'm good to go. Yeah. I'm good. I'm a happy person. I feel loved. 
I'm ready to go. Her love language is quality time and acts of service. Yeah. So all she has to do is tell me I'm cute, pat me on the butt. I have to build a bathtub, okay, <laughs> over the span of three days and then sit with her in it for hours. And the conversation's kind of like, this is not fair. This is, but you're worth it. But you're worth it. Yeah. Thanks for the bathtub. Yes. That doesn't exist. You're going to build one now? <laughs> <laughs> you keep talking about this stuff. Anyways, and if you don't know what your spouse's love language is, no. and you're not going to, you know, give them a sheet to have them take a yeah, test or whatever. there's an easy way to figure it out. Yeah, so you just start <laughs> listening to what they're complaining about, yes. you know? Are they like, hey, you know, I feel like we're not intimate. Then maybe it's physical touch, yes. or you don't spend a lot of time with me. It's quality time. I feel like or, you're not listening. I feel like you don't respect me. What's yeah. affirmation? You never get me anything. Yeah. Maybe then it's gifts. And so, and, and if you say to yourself, like, what happened to us, it was actually really hard for you to share, um, to, to speak my love language because you worked a lot and it took right. a lot of time to show me that love. Yeah. But just like any language might be hard, a second language to speak, that doesn't mean it's impossible. Right. And if you really love that person, you will go through the work of, of figuring out and learning how to do it. And over time, now you would say it's very easy to show me love, right? It comes a lot more easier to you. Why? Because you practice it. And so then what ends up happening is instead of starting a cycle of building a wall, when you're sharing that love with your spouse, you start a cycle of taking the wall down. And yeah. so by loving on your spouse, you encourage them to start taking things down. Right. And we'll show that here right now. So for example, the wife gets a babysitter so that she can spend quality time with her husband. And somebody always has to go first. And, and, and sometimes pride will keep us from wanting to go first. But somebody's got to go first. And when she makes that first step, all of a sudden I feel that love. Wow, she got a babysitter so that we can spend time together. She's putting the kids, putting me first. You know what? I feel, I see that love. I receive that love. And so I'm going to pay that love back. You know what? I'm going to take some hours out this week and I'm not going to do that over time. And I'm going to lay the money down because you're more important than the money. And I'm going to spend more time with you. Because she loved me, now I'm willing to take off my parts of the bricks because she inspired me. Yeah, and then I'm so inspired by that. That, and I'm like, man, babe, you're just so awesome. Thank you. And I just show him so much love and respect and words of affirmation and tell him how awesome he is. Yeah, we had an argument, but she used right words. She didn't raise her voice. She didn't call me names. And so now I feel like I can trust her, which was really what was holding me back from including her in the family decisions. I feel like she wasn't on my side. Now that I feel like she loved me and respect me, you know what? I'm, I'm going to include, I should have included you in the beginning. I'm so sorry. Hey, we got this decision coming up. What do you think? I want to make sure it serves you best. I do my part. And I'm so excited for that that I say, you know what? I'm not going to let a week go by that we are intimate. Hey. Hey, come on. And then the husband is like, what do you need at the house? How can I work for you? How can I help you? How can I fix? What can I repair? I'm done, girl. It's done. What you need? A second house? I'll build it. See, now, now the wall is down. Now the wall is down. Now we feel connected. connected. Yes, because we just, we tore it down. See, because marriages, this is the thing you need to understand. Marriages are not static. No. They're either building walls or they're taking them down. They're doing wow. one of the two. And you have to choose what kind of marriage you want. Because, I wrote it this way, if couples don't intentionally choose to grow closer, wow. then they are unintentionally choosing to grow apart. That is so good. Raise your hand if you want to stay in love. You want to stay in love. Raise your hand. Let me tell you something right now. Staying in love is a myth. <laughs> I mean, you don't stay in love. You either, you either are growing in love or you're growing out of love. There is no 
status quo. You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards, but you don't just hold the line. Yeah. That's nothing like that. That's called plateauing. Right. That's not what you want. You got to make intentional steps. And the last intentional step you can make, and we'll close out here. We got two minutes left and three more points, but we'll get through it. Um, the last intentional step, listen, that we want to take is if you're on the verge of divorce, get professional help. And this is a marital counselor. I would suggest a Christian marital counselor, one that is licensed and trained and is legally allowed to practice counseling. Um, you know, not just like, you know, your youth pastor, but maybe get somebody who has some of that um, mental health background as well. And that can really benefit you. Now, the reason why I put this last is not because it's not powerful. I see marital counseling save marriages. And we have a website uh, on our journeyroyal.com. We have a page called Counseling. And we have some uh, counselors there that we vetted that you can go to. We don't make any money off of them or whatever. We just trust them. Or you you can Google and find your own. There's a ton out here in Orlando. But the reason why I put it last is not because it doesn't work. The reason why I put it last is because it's not magic. The counselor is going to give you tools. But if I give somebody for Christmas a box of tools and they don't do the work with those tools, the thing does not get fixed. Are you with me? The tools alone are not going to help if you're not willing to put in the sweat equity, the work, the time, the effort. Counseling gives you tools, all right? But you got to be able to put in the work. But I do believe in counseling. It's really good. And finally, what happens if you get there? You try to take down your bricks. You try to get your heart right. You, you know, really thought you had married the right person. You went to counseling and counseling doesn't help. Pastor JJ, can I get a divorce if it's not working out now. To which I will respond, you live in America. It's a free country. You can get a divorce. You can do whatever you want. If it's legal, do whatever you want. I don't think you're asking me that because you want my permission. I think you're asking me that question because what you really want to know is what does God think about this divorce? Or what does God think about the potential of divorce? And to that, and now we're going to get a little more personal. We're going to get a little more awkward, a little more controversial. I'm going to tell you what God has to say about it. There are three biblical grounds for divorce. And so if you're in this room and you're contemplating it, what I would tell you is don't even contemplate it if you have not crossed or your spouse has not crossed one of these three lines, three biblical grounds. But outside of those biblical grounds, God has a very very specific perspective on divorce. And here it is in Malachi 2.16. Malachi 2.16 says, For I hate divorce, says the Lord. Keep this on the screen. The God of Israel, so guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful. First thing I want to bring out, he says, I hate divorce. Hates a strong word. And the reason why he hates divorce, listen, is because what he's saying is, I hate what divorce does to you. I hate what divorce does to your kids. I hate what divorce does to your future. I hate what divorce does to your mental health. I hate what divorce does to your spiritual health. I hate divorce for what it does. And if you trust God, you will live life God's way because it's the best way to live. So God says, I hate it. And then the second thing he says is, do not be unfaithful. What he's saying there in the context of divorce is saying, hey, don't give up. Hold to the faith. Believe that God can reconcile. Believe that it can be restored, that she can be restored. Believe, don't lose faith. And then lastly, you need to hear this for those who have already crossed the line, because I can feel there may be some judgment in the room, some shame in the room. Malachi 2.16 says, for I hate divorce, not for I hate divorcees. And you need to receive that. God doesn't hate you. He hates what it is doing to you. He hates the pain you had to go through to endure it. And so I needed to set that foundation that God is not pro-divorce. He does not want. Sometimes it's the right thing to do, but it's never a good thing to do. 
It's never a good thing to do. It's always bad and painful and hurting. So you want to avoid it at all costs. But still, there are three biblical grounds that God gives as way out of marriage. And this is according to the word, not according to the state of Florida. In the state of Florida, irreconcilable differences. That's, it could be as simple as that. Florida is a no-fault state. So that's all you need. I don't get along with them anymore. God doesn't make it that easy. It's God's way. Here's what he says in Matthew 19, verse 8 through 9. Jesus said, Moses provided for divorce as a concession to your hard-heartedness, but it is not a part of God's original plan. So let's pause. He's going, I understand that in some relationships, you're going you're to need to do this, but even if you do this, it was not what I wanted. But I understand if you've got to do it. But if you, don't, if you don't get divorced for these reasons, for the three that I'm about to give you, he says, if you don't get divorced for these reasons, I'm holding you to the original plan and holding you liable for adultery if you divorce your faithful wife and then marry someone else. And now he's gonna go into the three biblical grounds. He goes, number one, I make an exception in cases where the spouse has committed adultery. Now, an easy way to remember these three biblical grounds for divorce, they all start with the letter A. So the first is adultery. If your spouse cheated on you, that would be biblical grounds. The second starts with an A, it's not adultery, it's abuse. If you are in a relationship where there is physical abuse taking place, don't feel like God wants you to stay in that relationship. You need to protect yourself, you need to protect your kids, Malachi 2.16 says, the man who hates divorce, who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord God of Israel does violence to the one that he should protect. Why is that important? Because when you get married, your spouse is committing to a covenant to protect you. The husband is to protect the wife. If the husband is no longer protecting the wife and putting violence on her, then he is breaking his covenant vow of protection and forfeiting his role as husband and protector. And if he forfeits that role, then he loses that authority. And so again, you do not need to stay in a relationship with an abusive relationship because the Bible says so. If that man is hurting you, beating you, you need to come to church. Let us know. Let us help. There's a number on the screen right now, the domestic violence hotline. If it's not safe to take a picture of it right now, just know that we have a YouTube channel. You can go back to this number, write this down. I'm very passionate about this because my grandmother rescued my father and his 11, his 10 brothers and sisters from my grandfather, who's an abusive man. I hid them. They went to their local church uh, over in New York City. The pastor found an apartment for them for 11 kids and one lady. They lived in a two or three bedroom apartment with 11 kids and literally rescued my family line. Yeah. I'm here today because she didn't believe that that was God's plan for her life. Right. She got out and she was rescued. So if you need that, yeah. you, we're here for yes. you. We love you. We want to help protect you. Yeah. Call that line. We want to be there for you to yes. rescue and get you out. So there's, there's adultery, there's abuse. And the third A, the third A is adultery, abuse. The third A is abandonment. Abandonment. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15 through 16. On the other hand, if the unbelieving spouse walks out, you got to let him or her go. Oof. Why would the Bible say that? Because marriage is a representation of our relationship with Christ. And uh, not all theologies would lean this way, but we believe here at, at Journey Church that God loves you so much that if you want to leave him, he'll let you. He loves you that much, that this is a free relationship. It wasn't free for Jesus. He spent his life, but he, you, you, if you want him, he's here. If you don't want him, you can walk away. And because of that, that is then mirrored in the relationship between a husband and a wife. If you don't want it, I want it. But if you don't want it and you want to go, I can't hold you here if you want to go. You don't have to hold on desperately, the Bible says. God has called us to make the best of it as peacefully as we can. You never know, wife. The way you handle this might bring your husband not only back to you, but to God. You never know, husband. The way you handle this might, not, might bring your wife not only back to you, but to God. So you have adultery, abuse, abandonment. You guys can play. And those are the three A's. Listen, if, if you have not crossed any of those lines, 
irreconcilable differences was not in this list. We want to work it out. We want to figure out how we can do it. Don't, don't try and live outside of God's commands because the best life for you is within them. But if you're in a relationship or one of those two lines have been crossed, or maybe they haven't, but it's too late to go back because it's already over. And what do I do if, 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 I'm, af if I'm after divorce? If it's after that, I'm already here. Pastor, help me because I feel defeated. I feel shamed. I feel like pieces of my life were broken and I don't know how to put it back together. If you're in this room today and you're thinking about ending it and you're, or you're pretty much on the other side already, or you are on the other side of it, let me help you. After divorce, don't live in it, learn from it. Don't live in it, learn from it. Hear me, you can't go back in time. So stop reliving every bad choice you made back then. It's over, it's done, it's gone. Put it in the past and get past the past. And it's gonna take time. But, but don't live in it. However, you do need to learn in it because if you don't, you will relive it. Did you catch that? Don't live in it, learn from it. But if you don't learn from it, you're going to live it again. Because a lot of people say, well, you know what? They're 100% of the problem. 100% of the problem. The other person 100% of the problem. I would believe that if I didn't have these statistics. 35 to 50% of first marriages end in divorce. 60% of second marriages end in divorce. Well, hold up now. If I had the first marriage and they were the problem, then what are the odds that the second guy is the problem? But here we go, on third marriages? Now by third marriages, that number should plummet. That number should be like 20%, why? Because by the third time, you're like a vet. You're like a veteran, you're LeBron James in this thing. You know what I'm saying, 20 years in, you got this. You know all the tricks. By then, you should know everything there is to know about marriage. Nope, 70% of third marriages end in divorce. 70 of third. Now, you can't tell me that in every one of those relationships, they were the problem. And if they were, then you're still the problem. Why are you picking people like that over and over and over Goes again? Goes back to number one. Goes back to number one. You're still the problem. And so if you don't do what you can do, and if you don't learn from the pain and the hurt, you're going to live it again. So learn it and carry it forward, or the next marriage will be harder if you don't change. The Bible says, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14, I'm not saying I got this all together or that I have it made, but I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert. I don't know this whole marriage thing inside and out, but I know the mistakes I've made. And now I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward. Onward. Somebody say onward. Somebody needs to say that to themselves. I'm going onward, onward to Jesus. Off and running. And I'm not turning back. Don't stay in that pain. Find the purpose of it. Find the purpose in it. Yeah. And that leads us to our last point, which is after divorce, find purpose in the pain. And I just want to address those of you who have been in a divorce and just, that's painful. I can't yeah. even imagine like just the idea of the fact that when you get married, the two become one. But then imagine that one being torn apart into two again. It's very painful. But I have good news for you because the Lord uses the most painful times That's in right. our lives to That's bring right. us to Him That's right. and to give us purpose. That's right. So and good, so man. this reminds me of this story of the woman at the well. If you've never heard this story before, it's about this woman who she was broken. She had actually been divorced five times herself. Wow. And so imagine being broken 
into that many times and she was hurting and so she went to the well in the middle of the afternoon and the reason why it's significant that she went in the afternoon is because that was in the heat of the day nobody went to the well at that time yeah. and so she did that she went at that time because it's obvious that she felt shame from all those past relationships and so she didn't want to go when everyone else is there because she didn't want people talking about her or looking at her a certain way and so she carried a lot of shame so she got to the well and when she got there she met Jesus and mm. Jesus was there and Jesus started talking to her and asking her about her life and her past and he asked her about her husband and that's when she told him I don't have a husband and she he, he told her you're right you don't have a husband because the man that you're with right now is not your husband and you've been married five times before and she was just shocked because this man didn't know her, but he knew her past. And so they continue the conversation and then he starts to inviting her to have a relationship with him. And that was the first time in her life that she felt unconditional love. Someone knew her past, loved her anyways, right. and it also was the first time in her life that she was having a relationship with a man who was trying to give to her wow. rather than take from her. Wow. And she felt so loved that she went back home and she wanted to tell everyone everyone about it and this is what happens when she yeah. did John 4:39 said many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him wow. because of the woman's testimony so he told me everything I ever did and in the message version it says come see a man who knew all the things I did who knows me inside and out and basically loves me anyways and so it was so powerful her testimony because everybody knew her past they knew about her past relationships and her divorces and they knew that she carried a lot of shame but now she's different she's connected to this Jesus and all these people also want us to connect to Jesus so if you're here today and you've been through that before maybe it's divorce or maybe there's something else in your past that causes a lot of shame just have an encounter with Jesus that person who gives you that unconditional love yeah. the, the love that gives rather than takes he's here for you today and if you feel that shame just understand that if God transforms your life he can use that for a purpose to yeah. bring others to him and also if you feel that shame I want to read to you this quick Bible verse Isaiah 54 4 through 6 it says do not fear for you will not be put to shame and do not feel humiliated or ashamed for you will not be disgraced yeah. for you will forget the shame of your youth okay. and you will no longer remember the disgrace of your widowhood for your husband is your maker make the focus of your next relationship be with Jesus not on your next spouse because he can be your husband come on the Lord of hosts is his name and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel who is called the God of the whole earth for the Lord has called you like a wife who has been abandoned grieved in spirit and like a wife in her youth when she is rejected and scorned says your God and we want to close here because we were preparing this message on divorce thinking Okay, this is a message on divorce, but we always think that every outward manifestation or action or behavior is really, there's a root cause. And then as we started to meditate on the message, we realized we're not really preaching about divorce. We're preaching about rejection, which is helpful because I think no matter your relationship status here, we've all experienced rejection. To be pushed away, if you're single, to be pushed away by someone that you are pursuing. If you're married, to try and put effort into mending a relationship, but feeling like the other person is not really doing their part, there's rejection. 
to have been cheated on, experienced adultery, or experienced abandonment, to have experienced divorce. And I want you to know that I believe today's message, the way God wanted to take it, He wanted to take it to a place where His Spirit could fill this room and begin to heal the wounds of rejection and begin to fill the voids of rejection. And sometimes that takes us way back to our daddy problems, like when our dad wasn't there for us or that first boyfriend bounced on us or that first girlfriend made fun of us. And whatever that wound is, whatever that pain is, I believe today God wants to heal wounds and fill voids of rejection because, and because the real healing comes in finding the one who will never reject you the one whose arms are open and stay open and are here to love you and receive you, that's where we find healing. We find healing from rejection in acceptance. And so with nobody moving too much, would you do me the, the courtesy of just standing to your feet just quietly? I want to pray right now for single people. I want to pray for married people. And I want to pray for those on the other side of divorce. And here's what I'm praying that the spirit of rejection and the wound of rejection would be healed and wiped away. That single people, you don't have to worry about that girl not calling you back. You don't have to worry about that guy not texting you back. Married people, you're gonna take down that wall in the name of Jesus. The rejection, the separation that comes down today. We believe that, we're gonna put in the effort, we're gonna put in the work. And those who are on the other side of divorce, just remembering what Pastor Liz said, that Bible verse, your maker is your husband. Right. And it shall be redeemed. God's going to use it again. So I'm going to ask all over this room, would you, if you, would you raise your hand, just one hand. I just want to lift up for you. I want to pray for you right now. Father, we lift up all the single people today, Lord. We pray for all the single people who have experienced rejection by men, by women, by fathers, by mothers who have been left to the side. God, I pray that that wound of rejection would be healed right now. That there'd be an aura of confidence, a spirit of, of, of tolerance, of just a toughness, Lord, because they've been accepted by you. They can walk into rooms with their head held high. They don't need a ring on their finger. They don't need a man on their arm or a girl on their arm because we found acceptance in you. I want to pray for married people. If you're with your spouse right now, you can just hold their hand or you can just touch them gently. God, we pray that the wall would come down right now that any bricks that we put some of these bricks are three years high some of these bricks are 15 years high 20 years high in the name of Jesus we pray that the walls come down right now no more rejection no more hurt no more pain father it comes down brick by brick by brick I'm gonna take my part I'm gonna do it I'm gonna take my brick out father I pray you would speak to them because only you can Holy Spirit and we pray restoration there finally we lift up all of the divorcees in church today father those who are on the other side of this pain having been ripped apart, Lord. I pray you put them back together. You're the great restorer. You're the great reconciler, Jesus. So we pray for healing right now, Lord God. I pray that they would know that even if they get rejected by a person, it wasn't, it wasn't just them, Lord. You were there in the midst, and you're going to be there to receive them in that pain. You are with them, and you will always be with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. One last prayer. One last prayer. I want to pray for those who maybe don't have a relationship with Jesus. You know, sometimes you can come to church and you can try talking to God, but every time you start talking to God, it feels like there's a wall. And, in, and this, these bricks are made up of sin. They're made up of shame. They're made up of pain. They're made up of past choices. They're made up of church hurt and that last pastor who did you dirty at your last church and all those other things. And I just want you to know exactly what Jesus Christ did on the 
the cross for you. Because if you feel like there is a wall between you and God, when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just him dying on the cross. He died, and when he died and resurrected, he took down the wall between humanity and between God. And now because of Jesus, there's no more sin, no more shame, no more hurt, no more pain. The thing that happened at that last church, that thing that happened with that last pastor, all of that gets wiped away and washed away in the blood of Jesus. And so if you want to reconnect with God today, it's as easy as come. No more wall. No more bricks. Just come. Come home again. Be restored again and made whole again. The walls of religion, down. In Jesus' name, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to come back to Jesus today, and overflow in all parts of the room, watching online, on three, raise your right hand. I need Jesus all over this place. One, two, on three, raise your right hand if you need Jesus. One, two, three, right now, hands high. Don't be ashamed, don't be afraid. Come back home. I see you, I see you, I see you all over this building, all over this building. Let me pray for you. Better yet, let me pray with you. Everybody lifting up their voices. Would you pray this out loud with me, whether you raised your hand or not? Father God, Father God, I put rejection aside. I put rejection aside. I am accepted, I am accepted by, the love of God. by the love of God. Thank you, Jesus, Thank you, Jesus for taking down the wall. Taking down the wall. Today, I do my part Today I do my part by coming back home. Forgive me, Forgive me and be my Lord, be my Lord and my Savior. And my in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. amen. Would you give a hand clap of praise to those who made that We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, Join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.